It's Wednesday, November 3rd, and you're listening to Insight by Spectacles. Today, the post-liberal roller coaster. National conservatives met next door to Disney World, but it's no joke. What is this movement, and how is it a danger to democracy? Orlando, Florida, home to some of the world's largest theme parks, was a remarkably fitting location for the second National Conservatism Conference. It's hard to imagine anything more adrenaline-inducing for Missouri Senator Josh Hawley than getting together with like-minded politicians, academics, pundits, and activists to craft a conservatism for the 21st century. Except, perhaps, conspiring to throw out the results of a free and fair presidential election. Barbs aside, the national conservatism movement is an important development on the American right. Disagreements among its adherents and apostles abound, but the basic premise of the movement is simple. A healthy society can only be brought about by a state which enforces a usually religious moral code. This, in turn, contributes to a rejection of liberal democratic freedom and a skepticism that a free market can be a social good. In either case, freedom is not a virtue, because freedom allows the pursuit of morally bad things. Instead, true freedom is leading a life, with some paternalistic guidance from the state, according to the dictates of some high or highest moral good. The individuals who make up the movement are not always in agreement as to precisely what moral code the state should be enforcing or to what extent liberalism and liberal democracy should be rejected. One subgroup, the so-called integralists, seek to make Catholic morality the foundation of law in the United States. Others prefer a turn to localism in which the national government is not reformed, but local institutions take up this moral responsibility. Elected officials aligned with the movement, such as Mr. Hawley or Florida Senator Marco Rubio, both of whom spoke at the conference, typically take a softer tack by aiming at woke corporations and embracing, in rhetoric, some form of economic populism. Beyond disputes between proponents, there are contradictions in general within the movement's thought. In his speech to the Conference on Masculine Virtue, for example, Mr. Hawley began by denouncing the quote-unquote socialist policies of the Biden administration, but ended with a somewhat vague call for pro-family and pro-worker economic reforms. More broadly, national conservatives have, with some caveats, yoked themselves to the political career of a thrice-married and almost proudly vulgar former reality television star. Here, things begin to fall apart for the national conservative or post-liberal right. Lofty ideas about the highest good and the alleged emptiness at the core of the liberal political project don't appear to have captured the interest of the conservative base. J.D. Vance, a candidate in the Republican Senate primary in Ohio and a keynote speaker at the conference, polls consistently behind Josh Mandel, who is plenty radical himself, but not connected to the post-liberal movement. Nor is it the case that the economic populism espoused by some post-liberals is catching on within the Republican Party. 
Mr. Hawley's critique of the precarity of the American worker and the financial hardships faced by families are sharp enough, but neither he nor the larger Republican Party have broken more than rhetorically with neoliberal economics. Indeed, national conservatism only seems to enjoy participation in political power insofar as it is aligned with more mainstream attempts to discredit elections that Democrats win, and screeds against critical race theory or immigration. The philosophically oriented academics and the politicians envisioning themselves as scholar-statesmen are, rather than leading a revolutionary movement, grunts in service of a project that is narrower, more vulgar, and altogether more potent than their own lofty goals. One clear point of agreement, however, both among national conservatives and between the movement and the Republican base, seems to be a clear support for state involvement in the correction of perceived social and moral drift. As thrilling as the National Conservatism Conference may have been for Mr. Hawley and co., much of its substance seems to be as fantastical as the conference's theme park setting almost a form of live-action role-playing. But the areas of agreement between the national conservatives and their more successful counterparts within the conservative movement are not less dangerous because of this. The increasingly authoritarian response to changing demographics may be dressed up in different ways, but the disturbing possibilities looming over the horizon bode ill for democracy no matter what. Be sure to listen to the reflection discussion between the editors by following the link in the show notes. That's all for today. If you enjoyed, please consider subscribing to the podcast, rate us on Apple Podcasts, and share this episode with your friends or on social media. If you'd like to hear more conversational podcasts from Spectacles, or if you'd like to hear the editors discuss this article and its subject at greater length, Follow the link in the show notes for Spectacles in Conversation to hear discussions between the editors from Reflections and Bird's Eye. If you'd like to read or make a comment on the article you just heard, there's also a link in the show notes to our website, where you can sign up for our newsletter if you haven't already to receive a new way of seeing politics in your inbox five days a week. Thanks for tuning in.